Hey, we're uh, finishing up our series today called The Power of Thankfulness. And in this month, we've been, we've been talking about what does it really mean uh, to, to truly be thankful and how does that power of thankfulness really work in and through our lives. And today we're going to wrap that up. I'm excited next week. I can't, I just can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Next week, we're kicking off our Christmas series. It's hard to believe we're at that time of year already. But uh, next week, we're going to start, begin talking about the sounds of Christmas. And I hope that you'll not only come, hope you'll bring some people with you. It's going to be an exciting series as we celebrate all that God came to do as he came to earth. But today, let's, let's wrap up this series. Each week, we've, we've begun with a, a little prayer. Um, and let's do it again today. Repeat it out loud after me. Lord, um, make me thankful. Let's try it again. Lord, make me thankful. Now, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And let me just ask you the question, are you thankful this morning? Uh, six of you are. Are you thankful? There we go. Thank, thank you very much for that. Uh, you know, one of the things that we, we, we say we're thankful, but here's the question I really want you to process today. How does that thankfulness flow through you? If we're truly grateful, how does it express itself in our lives? In other words, thankfulness in here somehow ought to make its way out here. Does that make sense to you? Track with me. I want you to take your sermon outline out. I want to look at a passage of scripture. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's writing a letter to the church. And let me just give you the context so you understand what's going on. Paul, in his missionary journeys, in addition to uh, planting churches and encouraging the churches and giving guidance to the churches, was also collecting money. And that money was to be used to help the Christians in Jerusalem who were being so severely persecuted. Um, the persecution had broken out there in Jerusalem. There were families that were being taken from their homes. They were having to find places to live. And so the, the believers in Jerusalem were having to care uh, for all these people who were, who were being you know, just attacked on, on all fronts. And Paul was inviting the churches uh, in the area there in that part of the country to participate with them to make sure that this was able to happen. Um, interestingly enough, as he's collecting his money, Corinthian, Corinth is, was a city that was a very wealthy city. Uh, Corinth was a, a, a major trade route. Uh, there was a lot of money that, flew th uh, that flowed through there. But what, what was interesting was Paul noted that even though a lot of the churches were really giving generously, Corinth wasn't, which perplexed him because it would seem like the people who had the most would want to be the most generous. But he didn't find that to be true. And so in this part of Corinthians, Paul is maybe chastising the church a little bit, but he's really challenging them. And he uses as an example how the churches in Macedonia gave. And, and just want you to understand the context. The churches in Macedonia were very poor. But yet, when there was uh, the opportunity to give to another cause, I want you to look at how they responded. If you want to follow with me, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, first five verses. Here's what Paul says. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now, would you read this next verse out loud with me? 
They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Now, let me stop there for a second. Did you catch that? Paul says, I want you to see what's going on, church. Here's a group of churches. If anybody had a right to complain, it would be them. If anybody would have a right to be stingy, it would be them. But here's a group of people, even though they are very poor, they are filled with joy. And, and, and out of that joy and out of that thankfulness comes this rich generosity. Here's what he says. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They, listen to this, they begged us. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Paul makes this terrific point that I just think we gotta understand as we talk about the power of thankfulness, that gratitude ought to lead to generosity. We were never blessed to keep a blessing to ourselves. Does that make sense to you? From the very beginning of God's covenant with his people, back with Abram, he says, look, Abram, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna do stuff through you, man, that's gonna blow your mind. But here's the deal. I'm gonna bless you, and through you, you're gonna be a blessing. In fact, the entire world is gonna be a blessing through you. Now, here's my, here's my question to you. Are you holding on to the blessing of God, or are you allowing the blessings of God to flow through you? Gratitude should lead us to generosity, amen? Now, we prayed one part of that prayer. Let's pray the other part. Repeat again out loud after me. Lord, make me generous. Now, do you notice how softer that was than the first one? Let's try that again. Lord, Make me generous. Has God been good to you, church? Then all, here, here's, my, here's my challenge to you today. And I just want you to, there is no, no condemnation in this message. There is no pressure in this message. But I want to challenge you to realize that God has created you to be a vehicle of his blessing to the world. To the world. And out of our thankfulness, our generosity out of flow. You let God speak it to you however you want to. I thought this was a really cool story. Throw that picture up on the screen. And so, guys, his name is Jeffrey Holt. Um, he lives uh, up in a little town of, of 4,000 called Hinsdale, New Hampshire, uh, up in Hinsdale, New Hampshire. And uh, interesting guy, uh, he, lived a, he lived a very simple life. He just passed away this past year. But he lived a really simple life. Um, he managed, uh, did, was caretaker for a mobile home park. Uh, had a little mobile home of his own. Uh, his best friend said that he had almost no furniture in it. He had very little. Um, he uh, didn't, uh, he walked everywhere he went until he couldn't walk and he had a bike and he rode his bicycle everywhere, even though he taught driver's ed in high school. Um, but he had years ago gotten rid of his car and decided he wanted to walk and ride his bike. And when he couldn't, it was when it was too far to go, like into town to different places. Here was his vehicle of transportation. There you go. He literally, he literally rode his lawnmower wherever he went. 
And, uh, and people described him as just the nicest guy in the world. They just said, you know, he was kind to everyone. He, he always had an encouraging word. Um, but he, you know, he just lived a simple life. He actually struggled growing up because he had dyslexia. And he really had a hard time in education. But he got a job uh, as a young man in a grain plant there. And um, interestingly enough, when he died this last year, of course, everybody was really sad when they, to see him go because he was a great guy. What they didn't expect was in September when the city uh, of Hinsdale received a check for $3.8 million. This guy had started investing when he was a young man and those investments just grew and grew and grew. His best friend in town said that, that uh, Jeffrey had confided in him some years before and said, you know what? He goes, my investments have done better than I've ever imagined because I don't even know what to, to do with, with this money. And he said, the friend said to him, Jeffrey, just do what you've always done. Just do something good. And when the town received this check and they were blown away, his best friend said, Jeffrey had almost nothing at all. Listen to this. He said, but nothing at all was all Jeffrey ever wanted. He said, Jeffrey wanted for nothing, but he didn't really want everything. He just wanted to give all that he had away. Wow. What a, what a great, how many of you would love to give $3.8 million away? How many of you love to have $3.8 million to give? Yeah, yeah let's start there. But you know what's interesting? And you, you, we read these stories and we go, that is just incredible. But I want to go back to what Paul said because you, you don't have to have millions of dollars to be a blessing. Paul said that the Macedonian churches, were they rich? They were poor. But Paul said even in their poverty, they had generous hearts and love to give. And that's the spirit that I really believe that God wants us to have. Now, I want, I want to talk about this today, and I want to just give you some thoughts about what, what does this uh, thankful giving, what does it really do for us, and what, what should it really look like? Are you ready? Let me, just give you, let me just give you some thoughts to chew on this week. Here's the first one. When we, when we give thankfully, it reminds us that all that we have has come from God. It reminds us that all that we have has come from God. We forget that sometimes. Interesting in 1 Chronicles 29, David is gathering material and gathering money to build the temple, the very first temple. And their people are all excited because this is the very first permanent place of the house of the Lord. And, and so they're, they're giving generously. I mean, they're, everybody's giving all of this and, and there's this huge accumulation of all of this stuff. But as they get it and they begin to get ready to dedicate it to the Lord, I want you to notice David's prayer. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Read it with me, church. Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. I mean, think about this with me. I mean, again, again, they've got all this gold, all this silver, all this stuff collected. They've got all this lumber and all this material donated and there's this huge mass of stuff. But rather than pointing, pointing at it and saying, God, aren't you impressed? David says, God, what are we giving you? You know what we're giving you? Only what you gave us. Do you realize that everything that you have belongs to the Lord? We're not really owners of any of it. We're just stewards. 
That's why I love Psalm 24, 1. Read it with me. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Um, McIntyre Law um, each year gives out a whole bunch of turkeys to people in the community. And uh, one of our uh, parishioners, uh, Ken and Lee Klingler, their daughter works for McIntyre Law. So the last couple of years, she's contacted us and said, would you like to be able to give out some of the turkeys for McIntyre Law? Would you be able to, be able to pass them on? And we'd say, yeah, we, we love to. We're always coming in, in, you know, in touch with people who could use a turkey, people to whom it'd be a blessing. You know, food has only gone up, up, up. And uh, so it would be a real blessing for us to be able to do that. And, you know, it's so cool when you get a chance to give stuff away like that. And last week, we gave, we gave out all 20 turkeys. Um, you know, we gave them to many families. And so families were so grateful. And they were just so thankful to, to receive the blessing. And it's like they couldn't thank us enough. But it's like, we're not giving you anything that's ours. We're just passing on something that has been given to us. McIntyre Law gave it to us. We're just giving you what they gave us. Look at me. And that's true of everything that we give. Everything that we have has come from someone else. We're just giving away what God's given. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a second thought. Thankful giving, one of the other things that it does is thankful giving helps us to be compassionate and caring. Thankful giving can, helps us to be compassionate and caring. Come on, let's just be honest. Sometimes we get a little selfish, don't we? Sometimes it's, it's easy when we're being blessed in life to, to just kind of wrap our arms around it and go, this is, this is mine, and we get really self-focused. And one of the reasons that God wants to create thankful hearts that are also uh, uh, generous hearts is because there are a lot of other people in need. Over, over and over again throughout the Bible, God is clear that poor people have a special place in his heart. And that whenever we see people in need, whenever we see people and our compassion causes us to do something kind for them or to give to them, God is blessed. I think Proverbs, one of the Proverbs says that when, whenever you give to the poor, you're actually lending to God. Because God always wants us to take the eyes off of ourselves and to see those around us. And can we be honest? We're a lot more blessed than we sometimes realize. Amen? I remember when I, when I was growing up uh, back in Ohio, um, I always thought of myself as poor. Um, there were, I was one of five kids. Uh, my dad worked two or three jobs to try to keep us floating. And, you know, and I, never, I never had what a lot of the other kids at school had. Um, I wore hand-me-down clothes. Uh, my parents didn't buy me a car when I turned 16. I didn't have my first car until after I was married. Um, you know, I just, and I, I always compared myself to these kids who all had more. And I always thought, you know, I'm, I'm the poor kid. Then I got married and I moved to Houston. I was already living in Houston when I got married and I was going to college. I started working for the YMCA. And one of the things I did was a summer day camp job where I was working with kids from inner city Phoenix. And I had to go into the projects with these kids and sometimes make visits on the apartments that these kids lived in. And I don't know if you've ever been in uh, projects in the inner city, but they're not nice places. 
And I'd walk into these apartments and there was almost no furniture. Uh, most of them didn't have beds. They just had a mattress on the floor. They had almost nothing in their refrigerators. They had nothing there at all. And, and I'm looking at these, I'm looking at the around and I'm thinking, I thought I was poor. I was rich compared to these kids who are growing up here. Then I went across the, into Tijuana, Mexico with a friend of mine who was a church planter in California. And I was with them when they were doing ministry to the, to the poor in, in Tijuana. And I saw an entire community of people who were living in cardboard boxes. I want you to let that sink in for a second. They were living in cardboard boxes. And suddenly I realized that my kids, my inner city kids in Phoenix who had walls and roofs over their head, they would be rich compared to these kids who were living in Tijuana, Mexico. Look at me. Poverty is a perspective. And sometimes, if we're honest, um, we start feeling sorry for ourselves because we don't have as much as some other people around us might have. But the truth of the matter is, gang, whoever we are watching this today here in America, I promise you, you're richer than two-thirds or three-fourths of, of, of the world any given day of the week. And I think every once in a while, God wants this thankfulness that we have to flow through us to, to bless other people. And, and what's interesting is when we do bless other people, guess what? We get blessed in return. I, I love how he says it in Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. Read it with me. He says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Think, think with me. How many of you have ever had the privilege of, of blessing someone with something and by their reaction and how grateful they were and how excited they were, you walked away feeling like you were walking on a cloud. You were more blessed in return. You ever said, yeah, absolutely. I saw, uh, two weeks ago, I, I saw this video and I just thought, oh, I gotta save this for this message this week uh, because it was so perfect. It's about a guy who just decided to take this attitude of life of paying it forward and he decided he was going to give himself to the idea of just blessing other people. And I want to show you how sometimes God uses our generosity to people in need in very special ways. Play that video for me. Finally tonight, the story of a man on a never-ending mission of kindness and how it's changing lives. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. At the bottom of a hole in Chesterfield County, Virginia, utility worker Calvin Gaudet is fixing a leaky water main. But no gusher down here compares to the fountain of good deeds he delivers up there. Whether it's buying coffee for the next car, take care of the people that behind me, or groceries for a random shopper, I'm gonna pay for this. Calvin gives away about half his income to total strangers. I'm gonna fill your truck up for you. In return, he may get a thank you. At best, but he remains undaunted. You don't never know. You could do something for somebody or talk to someone and you could change the whole situation. He says it happened once. You can come around, thank you. A few months ago, Calvin was in this Burger King drive-thru when he happened to look in his rearview mirror and saw a woman who just seemed sad. So Calvin did what Calvin does, bought her meal. Only this time, his random act of kindness would not soon be forgotten. 
somebody to do something that nice for you on that very moment when I thought nothing could make me happy again. It just touched my heart. This is Andy. Denise Walters had just lost her husband of 41 years. I just wish she was still here. And says Calvin's kindness was exactly what she needed at exactly the right time. In fact, it had such a profound effect, she chased him down, told his boss, and got him recognized before the County Board of Supervisors. He saw that I was upset and showed compassion to a complete stranger. Since then, they have stayed in touch and grown their circle. Nice to meet you. I'm Chris. Nice to meet you, Chris. Told us you may have lost your husband, but you gained a family. He's just an amazing man. Just an amazing man. He's also her new role model. I want you to have this. Denise is now doing the same thing. He has shown me the way. So you feel like you're on a mission now? Oh, absolutely. If he can do this, I can do this. Okay. And You're maybe kind of have a hug. we can do this. Can go spread that joy somewhere, okay? Steve Hartman. Thank you. On the road in Chesterfield County, Virginia. Isn't that a great story? Yeah. I saw it because you, you guys know me. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm sitting on my couch watching this on my computer bawling like a baby, you know. But it, it, it was just such a great story of, of this guy. Did you catch what they, he gives half of his money away, just looking for people to bless. And, and again, he never know what's going on in people's lives. And this, this one day, he looks in his rearview mirror, he sees a woman who looks kind of sad. And so he buys her a simple meal, had no idea that this woman had lost her husband and was dealing with the struggle of working through that. And that one small act of kindness made her day. In fact, it changed her perspective. You know, God, give us grateful hearts that flow through us in generosity to those in need because you never know who you might bless and what they're going through. Let me give you another one. Thankful giving allows us the privilege of partnering with God's work here on earth. Thankful giving allows us the privilege of partnering with God's work here on earth. As many of you, if you've grown up around the church, you've heard the, the phrase tithing. Um, that followers of Christ are encouraged to, to tithe. And a lot of people don't understand what that word means, but it literally means one-tenth, giving one-tenth of what we have back to God. And, it, and it's an old, old custom that started way back in the Old Testament. In fact, when you, you can look at Leviticus 27 and 30, when the Lord says, read it with me, one-tenth of what comes from the land, whether for grain or fruit, or is holy, and it belongs to the Lord. Now, you say, well, why, why would God have, you know, do this? If God owns the earth, you know, why would he do this? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that God wanted to keep a constant reminder before us that what we have is his, 
And so instead of saying, give me 90% of what you have, he simply says, I want you to recognize that this blessing has come from my hand, so just give back 10% of it of a way of acknowledging my goodness to you. Secondly, that, that 10%, especially of the fruit and stuff, was brought to the tabernacle, and they used it as a celebration. And they were doing exactly what we did this morning when we were singing and celebrating the goodness of God. They would use it, they would feast, and they would have this big celebration of how good God has been. The other thing that the tithe did was that it provided the money that was necessary to have the tabernacle, to furnish the tabernacle, and to employ the people who ran the tabernacle, and eventually the temple, and eventually the churches. It, it, it all was about having that ministry going forward. Now, think, think this thought with me. How many of you were glad this morning? I know it was a really chilly morning. How many of you were glad when you got out of the cold and you walked into a warm building this morning? How many of you were glad for that? Where do you think that heat comes from? Yeah. It comes from us. What we give to the ministry of the church goes to pay for that heat. How many of you were blessed by our worship team this morning? Were you? Yeah. That all, come on, come on, give it up. They did a great job. Yeah. Well, where do you think this stuff comes from? Where do you think the sound system comes from? Where, where do you think the lights and all the, where does all of that come from? When you go pick up your kids, where do all the furnishing in those rooms come from? Where do all the curriculum come from? Where, where do you think the salaries are paid for the staff who, who serve you? It all comes, look at me, just hear my heart. It all comes from us giving. If we don't tithe, if we don't give back to God, the money's not there to do what God calls us to do. Does that make sense to you? So you get the privilege, one of the ways that we all get the privilege of helping in the ministry is to give the money that helps the work of God take place here on earth. I love this passage in Luke chapter eight and they were describing to people who were with Jesus. And look at this, sometimes this gets missed. It says, Joanna, the, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, and Susanna, and many others, read it with me, who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Did it ever dawn on you when you're reading the Gospels that there were people who were funding Jesus' ministry? You know, we read it, and we, I guess we think whenever Jesus got hungry, he just, you know, you know made an apple, you know, and just ate it. You know, there, there were people who had the privilege of traveling with them, they funded it, they bought the food, they provided the things that, that Jesus and his disciples needed. They were contributing to the ministry here on earth of what God was up to. Wouldn't it be cool one day to stand before God and say, Lord, we got to give to Jesus's ministry here on earth. We, you know, we got to be a part of what your son was up to. Well, we all do every single week when we support God's work. Yeah, I have one of the most um, one of the most moving experiences I ever had in ministry uh, was years ago when I was in Pennsylvania, and we had uh, taken this church plant that had grown. That we were meeting in a Sheraton hotel, and we got into our very first church building, and it was just a a little church on a corner, and had a small piece of property there. One of the things we didn't think about when we got out of the Sheraton and we were so excited to get our, our church building was the fact that when you get a piece of land and a, and a building, this is a lot of stuff you don't realize growing up, somebody has to take care of that. 
You know, there are things that need to be fixed. Who's going to fix that? There's uh, stuff that's got to be done. Who's going to do that? There, there's a, a, now a big yard and, and flowers that have to be taken care of. Who's going to take care of that? Well, you know, we were barely surviving as a church. We certainly didn't have money to, to hire somebody to do all that. And so we began to, to pray and, and ask some of our parishioners that we thought might have gifts and interest in doing some of this to do it. And, and I'll never forget, there was a guy who lived right across the street from the church. His name was Clyde. And Clyde had belonged to the church that had closed there. Great old guy. And Clyde was a property manager. And I, I knew that Clyde worked on a lot of his houses that he rented and all the stuff. And, and so I thought, well, maybe, maybe Clyde has a heart for this. And so one day I, I came out of the office and I saw Clyde out in his yard and I walked over and I said, Clyde, can I talk to you a moment? He said, sure, pastor. And I said, Clyde, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to get everything done. And he said, I said, I know you manage property. And I said, would you be interested in taking care of the church building as your ministry? Um, I, I know you, you're a handyman, and if you can't fix it, you know who to contact to get it fixed pretty cheap. And so do you think you would be willing to take care of the building and, and the grass? I mean, we got to have somebody who can, who can mow it and somebody who can take care of flowers. And I know you take great care of your yard. Would you be interested in taking on that as a ministry? And I'll never, I'll never forget this. This old guy wore one of these caps that had the little bill in the front. I always call it the Robert Redford hat. I don't, I don't know. But he, he took his hat off and he put it on his chest like this. And he said, Pastor Steve, it would be a wonderful privilege for me to serve the church this way. Catch that. It would be a wonderful privilege for me to serve the church this way. Not, Pastor, don't you know I've got enough to do? I've got properties I've got to manage of my own. How am I going to make that? Not, not, well, I suppose I can squeeze it into everything else I do. And not, For Clyde to be a part of the work that the church was doing in our community, he was thankful to do that. Look at me. That's the kind of attitude God is after. You know, if you went on in Corinthians, here's what Paul says. Paul says, you know what? Don't give reluctantly. Don't give under pressure because our God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Yeah. Let me give you one last thought. I love this piece in the passage that Paul, that Paul gives to the Corinthians, and that is that thankful giving starts in the heart. Thankful giving starts in the heart. I, I love how he says this, 2 Corinthians 8, 5. Read it with me. He says, they even did more than we hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord, to give themselves to the Lord. In other words, Paul says, you know what, what these Macedonian churches have done? These poor churches who have given so generously did it because God had captivated their heart. Because when God's got your heart, he's got what you have. That's why Jesus, Matthew 6, 21, read it with me. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know, for probably 
45 years of the 48 years almost that Juan and I have been married, um, I've been the, the primary breadwinner. Um, when we had children, Wanda started working part-time and pretty much stayed part-time the, uh, the, rest of, the rest of our lives together. And so I've had to be the one to, to make enough money to pay for our house, to pay for our cars, to pay for our food and all the things that, that goes along with it. And it, it's, been a, it's been a great journey. But I, I wanna let you in on something. Even though most of what we have is because of me, if you look up the deed, if you pull the deed out of our file drawer to our house, you'll see that it's not just my name on that deed. It's Wanda's name as well. If you pull up the titles to our cars, you'll see that the cars aren't just in my name. They're in her name too. If you pull up our bank accounts, you'll find that our checking and our savings and all, you'll, you'll find that all of that, including my retirement, has not just my name on it, it has her name as well. Look, just hear my heart. Everything I have belongs to her as much as it belongs to me. Wanda's name is on everything because she has all of my heart. Does that make sense to you? And I can tell you that as a couple, for us, God's name is on everything that we have. Our home has God's name on it, which is why we've opened it through the years for people to live with us. Our cars have God's name on them, which is why that we not only use them to help other people, loan cars when it's necessary, and we've even had the privilege of giving a few cars away because they belong to him. Our money that we have, church, it belongs to him, which is why Wanda and I counted a privilege to just be able to give generously back to the church and other ministries that we believe in. Why? Because God has all of our heart. And when God has all of our heart, he has all that we have. Does that make sense to you? God wants us to have thankful hearts, but thankful hearts that also demonstrate itself through generosity. That's my challenge for you. Not that just that you will ask God to make you grateful, but that you'll ask God to do what we saw in this video just a few moments ago. Lord, help me to pay it forward. Help me to give back a piece of what you have given to me. Amen. Amen. Our Father, we are thankful today and declare all that we have belongs to you. Like David in his prayer, or what, what, what do we have to give to you? <laughs> Everything we've got, it comes from your hand and and it's just with a grateful heart, Lord, that we give it back. And Father, I, I pray, I, I pray that you would instill in us an attitude of gratitude, of spirit, of thankfulness. But I pray also, Lord, that you would never allow us to receive the blessings and keep them to ourselves, but that you would remind us that you created us to be a blessing.
So Father, let our thankfulness express itself in divine generosity. This we pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.